It is 7.19 here on this Friday of a long weekend. Hope you've got a beer, a libation, and your feet up. And uh, feel free to drop me a note if you want, Alex, at 640toronto.com. So, no deal is better than a bad deal. These are the words we are hearing, and that is going to be a lot of the messaging coming up from the Prime Minister's office. Uh, But no matter how this is spun, that we have no deal is not good news. And frankly, I think the last 48 hours have not been a very good time for this government or, more importantly for me, for this country. No deal is better than a bad deal. That's right. I don't agree with you uh, because I don't think you have any deal, period. Bad, good, nothing. But, you know, they're supposed to get back to the table on Wednesday. And it is clear, clearly, because it was leaked out that President Trump is not going to bend on supply management. But it also sounds like our prime minister is also not going to bend on it. So if you don't think politics is at play here, then you're just a little too trusting. Let's talk to another politician. Lisa Raitt joins me now. She is the Conservative Party's deputy leader. She's also MP for Milton. She joins me. Hello there. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And I'm sure, uh, you know, you guys are all busy trying to get out and figure out what happened today. What did happen today? It looks like it's been pushed into next week, and I don't know who asked for it, but I do know this. I know that at the end of the day, the president and the U.S. Trade Department gave notice to Congress that they will be proceeding with a deal with Mexico within the next 90 days, and Canada, it basically it gets its act together. Yeah, that language, um, I saw that language too, and it was curious the way it was written, because it clearly said, we are proceeding with Mexico, and Canada can join if it gets basically gets its crap together. Yeah. Um, is that normal? <laughs> or is that another way of saying, you've got to sign the deal that we have in place, because you're not getting any other deal? Well, there's nothing normal about what's going on the past three years. We can That's start true. with that, and I think we all agree with that. I think, though... Um, I just feel that Canada is playing catch-up. We sat on the sidelines for the last three months. Um, Prime Minister Trudeau was very clear that there was not going to be a deal without Mexico, and then Mexico went and did a deal without us. And Christia Freeland wasn't in the room when all of this was going on. I don't know if you read this, but the, uh, the Mexican officials, the Mexican foreign minister, was in the White House 45 times in the past couple of months, 45 times. And I don't think we've been there once in the White House. So clearly they determined they wanted to get a deal done and they got it done much to their congratulatory effect. But, you know, right now having us kind of be stuck with a deal that already has been negotiated on labor, on auto, it's it's a tough spot for us. And, you know, I live in southwestern Ontario. I live here where auto parts are incredibly important and I'm actually getting really worried. Yeah, well, I, I am too, and I think uh, the auto sector is rightfully getting married, but uh, nervous. But supply management is a big deal, and clearly, Mr. Trump does not want it. He won't put up with it. But, but um, for as much, um, you know, uh, criticism Trump is getting for saying his comments today, which I might not like the comments, but he's right to stand up for a good deal for his own country. I don't blame him on that. Um, I'm not sure that is an act of bad faith. I mean, he's posturing for politics, but we here on this side are posturing for our own country, saying we're not going to do a bad deal, but we're also not going to give up on supply management. Where do you see this going? Because I don't see us getting a deal without giving up on that. Well, the problem I had is what Prime Minister Trudeau said, which is no deal is better than a bad deal. And I just think that's a bit foolish for him to put it that way, because um, we need to have a NAFTA deal. We need to have a deal with the United States. There are so many industries that uh, are really dependent upon the, the free flow of investment and free flow of sales across the border. And, you know, we encountered issues with supply management when we were negotiating with 
other large trade blocks like the European Union, like Trans-Pacific Partnership. And we found a path to both keep supply management and the integrity of the system. Um, Look, the dairy farmers weren't happy because they were losing some of their quota, but we still ended up with a deal that was good for everybody. And that should be the focus at the table. Also, because... You know, they're, they're much smaller than auto. So if we had to give up on that provision, I'm sure we could come up with a way to protect dairy farmers or help them uh, without, you know, compromising the entire country. But, you know, I think a lot of people will say, well, as they're listening, wellness rate, what would your government have done? Because it's interesting, Sheer has come out uh, quite um, critical of the prime minister and he's getting he's getting a, a bit of a beating online as to, you know, what would you do? So what would the conservatives have done yeah. to get a deal done? Well, we would have done exactly what the new Mexican government did, which was they got in there right away. They explained how important a two-way deal was. They were willing to do a bilateral deal. And they sat down and talked about the issues that were irritants for both of them. And they ended up with a deal. So that's exactly what we would have done way back in October or when, you know, the president indicated he wanted to reopen NAFTA and he started the process. We would send people down there to go and talk about, well, let's talk about the irritants within this deal that we have with each other and go from there and do a deal. A Uh, bilateral deal? So in other words, you would have done it before the Mexican government had the election? 100%. 100%. So a bilateral deal. That would be my advice. I can't say what a government would or wouldn't do because I'm not, it's not a dictatorship, but (laughs) I would, my advice strongly would be to get in there and say, let's identify U.S. You know, we have a lot of similarities. Let's identify the irritants. Let's work on making it better. And we wouldn't go in leading with gender and, and union and and environment, um, knowing that those are things that are going to be difficult for that administration. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll irritate a, a guy like Trump. But um, so they go back to the table on Wednesday. How confident are you that a deal is going to get done soonish? And and. Frankly, I think the business world is, is they don't do well under uncertain conditions. How long yeah. do you think this is going to take? Uh, well, you saw like the markets yeah. aren't re- reacting well to this and the dollar's not reacting well to it. So, it, you know, thank goodness for the long weekend, I guess. But still, over the long weekend, a lot of uncertainty. So we'll be watching what happens on Tuesday when everything opens up again. But I, I would say this, Alex, it's um, I'm naturally an optimistic person, so I'm not going to be negative about the chances of getting a deal. But the more, the longer this goes on, the more nervous I'm getting. And when you see two sides starting to really put strong lines in the sand, we're not going to negotiate this, we're not going to do that. um, You get a little bit nervous about whether or not you you have hit an impasse. And I don't know whether or not they've made red lines that neither of them politically can, can cross in order to get a deal. Yeah, well, we will stay tuned on that. I want to ask you about the pipeline because this has not this has not been a good week for the Trudeau government. Um, they can spin it as they will and say that they're going to get this fixed and this pipeline's going to get to to market, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, they're the government that said that they would fix this process, that they would do what Stephen Harper could not, and that is get pipelines built. And yet, three years later, we are going backwards. Yeah, I like how you said it before. I mean, it's not just a bad day for this government; it's it's a bad day for this country. Uh, And I'll tell you why. I heard this earlier today from somebody else when they said, you know, how can we expect foreign investment in this country to have faith in the rules in our systems and that they could understand how the rules work in resource development projects when the government who wrote the rules can't figure out how to abide by the rules? I mean, how is that a damning criticism of our of our entire process? So I think Rachel Notley, um, she was bang on. You know, she was bang on. She reacted quickly. They are fed up in Alberta. They are extremely upset. They're 
they can't believe this is happening. And well, they're I'm, talking about turning the taps off. I mean, I'm used about it on Twitter saying, hey, let's send a message, the kid, both east and west, of what it's like without Alberta oil in our lives. And and as I understand, that's actually being talked about. People are furious there. They, rightfully they are furious, so. Yeah. And, and rightly so. And you don't make up an economy by trying to increase the number of government jobs, because that's a little bit of sleight of hand that's happening out in Alberta. The jobs have increased, but they're all government jobs, and they're still not putting those private sector jobs in. So I'm worried about that. Uh, and I think Rachel Notley was exactly correct when she said, get back to work, get in the House of Commons, and figure out the legislation to fix this mess. Yeah, you're going to fix it. You're going to be very busy. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we will be busy. Yes, you will. You'll have lots to chew on. I have to, before I let you go, I want to ask you about the incident that happened, uh, I guess, in the last week with this kid, yeah. cow being skinned and appearing to be slaughtered within the city limits of Milton. It's got a lot of attention. A lot of people are rightfully disgusted by it. There's been an investigation into it. But there seems to be, um, you know, some concern about whether or not it's time in this country to tell those who do these ritualistic types of killings that it, it is okay to practice your faith. It's okay, you know, to have your religious freedom. But we also are a compassionate nation and we have rules and laws. Do we have to remind people? It would appear we do. Um, I don't know whether or not the, the animal was alive. It certainly has caused a bit of controversy. Um, there's been a bit of debate whether or not the animal was alive or not alive. We'll let the people investigate and get to that. But I got to tell you, those images were horrifying. I, when I learned it was about Milton, I was hoping it wasn't Milton. But unfortunately, it did happen here in my town. And as a result, I know that... The residents here are very upset, Alex. I mean, my phone's yeah. lit up. My emails got <laughs> yes, I saw. It was It was crazy. So the best I could do was figure out what the law was that I thought that had been violated. And hopefully, um, Minister of Agriculture said he's going to come out and investigate, which I think is entirely appropriate. But regardless of what the purpose of the slaughter is, there are still rules that have to be followed. And one of the rules is you have to have an official from agriculture there to inspect prior to um, slaughter and after. They have to look at the carcass to make sure it was okay. And you can't sell any kind, you can't distribute or transport any kind of meat that comes from a slaughter that's not done in a federally or provincially regulated slaughterhouse. And I know I sound like a bureaucrat, but there's reasons why we have these laws. And it's to protect the public and to protect animal safety. And I think I just can't believe they put it on YouTube. I mean, I just, why <laughs> if, the heck would it, you do that? If yeah, if they hadn't put it live on Facebook, we would never have seen it, and uh, we wouldn't be talking about it. At least well, we're talking about it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm glad they did. And, and Tarek Patel was the one who, who was, you know, he put it out there so that people could see what was going on. I, I would impl- implore people not to think of this as a religious issue and not um, whether or not you're practicing faith, but to take a look at it from public safety in terms of consuming meat and number two, about animal welfare. That's what these laws are all about. And if they're violated, I say, you know what? You are going to get prosecuted to the fullest extent. Good stuff. I appreciate you coming on on this Friday. I, uh, you score some points. Thank you. No, Alex, I, you know what? I'm happy to talk about this. I just hope they get this stuff all right because the country definitely needs to have good news. Yeah, absolutely. We can't afford to get it wrong. I no. appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You as well. Bye. That is Lisa Raitt joining us. She's the deputy leader with the Conservative Party, also the MP for Milton. And this is Global News Radio.